On today's episode of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, we go through wildcard winners of the weekend, which do not include Danny Kelly or Craig Rollback because their team's lost and they are sad. We also go through the losing football teams of the weekend and look at their fantasy outlooks for their best players in 2021. And we have a very, very special guest at the end. It is my grandma. Stick around. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm here with Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. And later, we will be joined by a very, very special guest. And we will be going through the losing teams from this weekend, looking at the teams that lost and their fantasy football outlooks for their outlooks for their best players in 2021. Mm. But first, we're going to go through the winners from Wild Card Weekend. Is this the part <laughs> where Craig just whines and whinges? How are you doing, Craig? I have grounds to whine, don't I? So does DK. <laughs> Our team's absolutely shit the bed in Wild Card yeah. Weekend. I actually wanted to say thank you to the Steelers for having a more embarrassing loss than the Seahawks, and it kind of like for it, it helps everyone kind of forget that the Seahawks lost to one to a guy with one hand, and <laughs> you know, like the Steelers. Well, he had yeah, nine the, fingers. I mean, that's that's enough to throw. <laughs> you know, like ten in, for uh, ten's you know overkill. King, you know, in Kingpin when when uh, Ernie McCracken is getting interviewed after he wins, he's like, "Yeah, I, I was under a lot of pressure. I didn't want to lose to a guy with a hook." <laughs> Never seen Kingpin. <laughs> Wow, that was a funny line. What? Okay. This is the well. This is like the SpongeBob telecast on on Nickelodeon. It's the generational divide. You're the Saved by the Bell millennial, and we're the the SpongeBob millennials. I get that. Anyways, okay. Can I just say one thing? Only one. We have a whole podcast left. Say say several things. (laughs) Many things. You guys done saying I can say a lot of things? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, was that rhetorical question then? Okay. (laughs) It was rhetorical. I think the Seahawks played worse than the Steelers. Well, yeah. No, they didn't. What the fuck are you talking about? The, the Seahawks no, played the I, I get, No. So I think I, I understand what Craig is saying. They didn't have as many turnovers. However, it was just a lot of weird. It, it almost felt like the, the Titans-Ravens game from last year's playoffs were just like everything that could have gone wrong for the Steelers in the first like five minutes of the game did. And then at that point, they had to climb their way out of this hole. Whereas the Seahawks just sucked from start <laughs> to finish. Yeah, okay. don't get me wrong. Like, the Steelers absolutely lost this game. But I think if that fumbled snap didn't happen, I'm not positive the Browns win that game. 
That's, yeah. You know what? You're not totally wrong because it was like there were so many. The interceptions were just weird, right? Like the interceptions that the Browns were catching were ones that pretty easily were not caught. And yet all of them became catches. All of them became touchdowns right off the bat. It, it yeah. was, as DK said, everything that could have gone wrong was a touchdown for Cleveland. And they almost freaking did come back and get themselves in the game. And they may have won if Tomlin hadn't like somehow gotten up, gotten over that fourth and one call. But I mean, the Browns deserve some credit here. This is insane. They do. They, they do 100% deserve the credit. I, I do think the win is like slightly deflated the way the game panned out. Like it was 28-0. They were like riding really high. And then like now the final score looks, makes it look like the game is a lot closer than it actually was. But like <laughs> they played well in the remaining three quarters. I don't think they played like amazing. I think it was kind of, if Tomlin literally, the Steelers punted three times on a fourth and one, another fourth and one, and then on a fourth and nine on Cleveland's 38. Like yeah. it, and they, I think they went for two at the wrong times. If they had any semblance of like strong coaching, I don't know. I think this game's a lot closer. But you know, the Browns played really well. Blah blah blah. But that's all I'm gonna say. I want to shout out the Browns. <laughs> Most points in a first quarter in playoff history. Yeah, twenty-eight to nothing in the first quarter. I mean, Nick Nick Chubb's first two carries went for thirty-seven yards, and then Kareem Hunt's first two carries went for two touchdowns, which was hilarious. Fun fact: Jarvis Landry, the eighty-yard touchdown he caught. Baker Mayfield, that's the same coverage the Steelers played as when he threw a pick six on like the opening drive against Cleveland when they were rocked 38 to six. Baker threw a 38 to uh, threw a pick six. And then that one was the 80 yard touchdown. It's like the same play. It was like the like a full circle Browns moment right there. And then the Browns had 35 points at halftime. That was the most points the Steelers have ever allowed in a half. Shout out Warren Sharp for that one. And then like, you know, like teams play different. Like defenses, I think they said this on the broadcast, like Collinsworth was like, oh, now that the Browns are like up 14, like after that initial fumble and then Ben's pick and they were up 14, he was like, the defense can be like a little friskier. You can take more risks. You can try and guess. And like, so that's why I think when people say, I'm defending the Browns here, when people are like, well, if you look at after the first quarter, the Steelers won the game. That's stupid because <laughs> you, you play like a different defense when you're up 28 to zero. Yeah, the game plan changes, yeah. Right, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's why Ben could just like dump off and they could just chunk 500 yards 501 down the field. 501 yards on 68 pass attempts. Most completions ever in a football game by Ben. In Absolutely a football game? insane. Not yes. even just a playoff game? Oh, I don't know about college football, but in NFL all time, most completions. Okay, well, NFL still, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's crazy. Brutal loss. I'm happy it's over. Listen, the Steelers weren't going to win the Super Bowl. I can now root for the Bills. We'll get to the Steelers among teams that, like uh, losers and we'll fantasy outlook for them next season. But yeah, Browns, big winners. I think they deserve some. They hadn't beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh in 17 years. The Browns only have one in Pittsburgh six times in the last 50 years. Listen, the Browns are good, man. <laughs> if you had to rank the, the most important aspects of a playoff football team, I would say the quarterback is one. I would say a defensive line is maybe two and an offensive line is three. And the Browns have two of those three. And, you know, if Baker can game manage, they kind of have the three keys you need to be a successful playoff team. They get they get the Chiefs next, right? Yep. Yeah, Browns Chiefs. Ooh, the last time they played was in college and Baker and Mahomes combined for like 1,400 passing yards or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> be crazy. I still don't think Baker's that good, but yeah. Okay, Browns are your winner of the week, Craig. DK, who's your winner of the week? Uh, I got to go with Josh Allen. You know, he kind yeah. of, you know, he got a little slow start. It wasn't looking really, really good early on, but then he got things going. I think he was the big difference in this game because, to be honest, the Bills' defense was not very good. Like, the, the Colts put up a lot of yards. They, they were moving the ball pretty effectively. And I think Josh Allen was kind of the guy who rallied him and, and got him going. And he did what he's done all year, which is, you know, made it really 
fucking difficult on the defense, both with his arm and his legs. Like he rushed for 50 something yards and I believe he got a touchdown and then threw two, threw two touchdowns with his arm. Um, I don't know, just another really impressive game for him. And a lot of guys that get a lot of hype, you know, we saw this with Lamar Jackson, like won the MVP last year and then just did not have a good playoff game. And that, that narrative followed him around. So I was really watching what Josh Allen was going to do in this. And he had all that hype, had such a great year, and then he followed up with a good playoff performance in his first game. You know, a lot of guys will kind of crumple under that situation. So I thought he was really, really impressive um, just from, you know, his performance, his, his demeanor, pretty much everything. Kind of won this game on his own, to be honest. Like, the defense didn't play well. It was like him and Diggs just kind of like yeah. did everything themselves. I mean, Josh Allen is like so f- freaking good in the red zone. Like, he's like one of the safest quarterbacks in the red zone now. He, he's so efficient. Dude, he's Cam Newton. He is Cam Newton in the red zone. Cam Newton is like the greatest red zone player in the NFL history, legitimately. Like he can run, you know, he, in in his prime, he was he was a much more efficient and an effective passer, especially in the red zone. But Allen is like Cam Newton with more accuracy. And that's scary. I think the Bills may have thrown people off the scent a little bit with this game. I, I think the Colts were probably a little bit better as a coach team and just as an overall roster than you know we may have thought. Maybe the seven-point spread was a bit too high. But I don't know. I, I think I'm still heavily on the Bills are the second-best team in football after that game, mm-hmm. even though may, yeah. people may not think that anymore. I was impressed by Josh Allen. The last drive of the first half when they had the the D, the defensive stand against the Colts and they went 96 yards down and Josh Allen has nothing going on in play, rolls right, creates some time, finds Gabe Davis, Gabe Dave, Dave. along the sideline. That review took, I don't know, six hours, seven hours, I forget. And then like two plays later, they do the same thing along the other sideline. And it's not, I don't want, I'm not going to compare Gabe Davis, he's not Devontae Adams, but I was just, it was really cool to see the Bills getting these out-of-pocket plays where Allen's creating time. And it's not just digs. It's like guys down the depth chart like Gabriel Davis are making these insane toe-drag catches to keep a drive alive. And obviously, they got the fourth and three to jump off sides. But they got a touchdown drive out of that. That's, that's how you win a Super Bowl. It's You need guys like Gabriel Davis to be the Mario yeah. Manninghams of the world right. and step up and, and, and you just get touchdown drives in times where no one's going to call you out if you couldn't get there. Also, can we briefly talk about was it the was it the Colts game where there was that BS fumble? Was it Zach Pascal and the refs? Yeah, that was weird. I mean, it ended up not mattering. It was a fumble. There was some weird ass officiating in this. this My belief with replay review is simple. I think that we should only turn over things that they're clear and obvious. But what's the definition of clear and obvious? Right. My definition of clear and obvious is if you have to watch the same angle twice. Like more than that's not enough. It's not clear and obvious. You should yeah. watch every angle. You should watch every angle again. And if you still don't know, it's not clear and obvious. When your entire group chat, what refs should do is they should just get, see what an unbiased group chat in the middle of the country who has no stake in this game <laughs> thinks. And whatever Freaking they think is probably focus right. group. Yeah, all twelve of the people hearts. in my group chat were like, "That was a fumble," and it wasn't. And we're like, "Okay, they're wrong." Yeah. <laughs> Circling around though, Josh Allen was the QB one this weekend in half PBR. So there you go. Nicely done. What did I lose him over? Because I didn't know how many gallons of water were in Lake Michigan. Yeah, that's why I lost them, my lineup. Unbelievable. And to be fair, <laughs> neither of you do. No, we weren't. We, we weren't close. We were close. egregiously low just on, a, on the just gas. A bit yeah. All right. Well, my winner of the week was Lamar Jackson. He did not yeah. have many, many points as as Josh Allen, but I just. I was just thrilled with how he played. I mean, it was just, he's a joy to watch if you don't have a stake in the game. You know, it, I think in this, like, you know, technically, 
even get someone like Adam Schefter says, you know, you can't root for teams, but it's hard not to root for people. Lamar came into the game and yeah, said that yeah. before the game, he Lamar was like wanted to change the narrative about him in playoff games. And then promptly comes in and throws a pick on the second drive. The worst he's, pick. It he was said after the game. The worst like, pick. Lamar said after the game that was a dumbass pick. Oh, sorry, a dumb, a dumb interception. <laughs> but it was one of the worst picks I've ever seen. He had the guy like I don't remember who he was throwing to, but he had his receiver pretty like going to the sideline, had a step on the defender, and a good throw. That's like a completion for. 40 something yards downfield and he just like lofted up this duck that floated into the middle of the field. You know how in some video games, the sh like shooter games, the controllers are inverted. So like if you look left, you actually move your head right and then some <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah. That's what it looked like. It looked like he was trying to throw a right, but he accidentally hit the controller and was looking left like the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, he almost like didn't throw it to the defender. Like the defender <laughs> kind of had to like switch yeah, up to confusing. catch the ball. Was... <laughs> oh man. No, that was good to see him do that. That, that But then he came that back. Touchdown run. It looked like a punt return. Yeah, he's so fast. <laughs> it was just, it was unbelievable. It looks the same way as you see Cordero Patterson zoom through everyone on a kick return. That was Lamar's zooming through up D-line, up linebackers, up secondary. And he just, the ex there's three different gears of acceleration he shows on that play. All of them mm. are astonishing when you remember that this isn't a high school tape. Like he's zooming past NFL defensive backs. Like yeah, you're talking right. about a Dory Jackson who was a track star at USC. He's gone. That's a good point. It does look like high school tape when you go back and watch some guy just dominate a bunch of kids like me. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like Austin, it looks like Austin Hooper trucking Craig and, you know, whatever equestrian, whatever sport you were playing. Equestrian. But, I don't know. I just, I just like changing the story every time. But anyway, Lamar's my winner of the week. He got the dub. What do you guys think about the Titans, uh, the Ravens lo dancing on the logo thing? Let's I mean, I think, I like I think the Titans deserve it. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> they fucking deserve it. It's not like they were doing it for like shits and giggles. It's to get back at them for what happened in the previous time they met or whatever when yeah. Harbaugh almost freaking fought Vrabel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, dicks. they fucking deserved it. Yeah. Yeah, they did. All right. You guys got more winners of the week here? Yeah. I want to talk real briefly about Cam Akers, who, look, I'll be honest. I'll be the first to admit, had a rough, rough like three, three quarters of this season, maybe a little mm -hmm. bit more, but he's come on strong. And I think what he's shown over the last few weeks is exactly what I'd kind of imagined in my mind prior to the season, where he's the lead guy in that offense. They're riding him. Obviously I know McVay wants to be a, a run first run heavy team. That's like the foundation of their offense. And it's, it's looking a lot like acres is that guy. And um, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just confidence thing or, understanding of the scheme or what, but he seems to finally have kind of found his groove in that run game. He had 20, uh, 28 carries, 131 yards and a touchdown against the Seahawks, 24.6 half PPR. Obviously, Henderson is on the IR right now, isn't he? I believe he was placed on the IR a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if he came off. He wasn't involved regardless. And he's found his groove in, in, in that outside zone game. He kind of just fits like, it, it looks like that's exactly what they want to do. And it worked a lot against the Seahawks. Can I ask you a stupid question, DK? Sure. Is Cam Akers a better fit for this offense than Todd Gurley? No, I don't think better would be the word. I think Gurley was a perfect fit for what they wanted to do. Like, just the, his, like, slashing style, the way he could kind of get outside and then one cut up up the field. But I do think Akers is a similarly good fit for what the scheme... I guess, like, what what you'd want from the scheme. I think that was the big question mark with Henderson in his rookie season was... Um, that 
he wasn't a very number one. He wasn't very experienced in that wide zone thing that they wanted to run, and that's why they sort of switched things up and started running more like gap schemes, more like man blocking schemes up front. And that was like a better fit for Daryl Henderson. Um, but for the longest time, I mean, McVeigh's been wanting to do that that wide zone thing that they did with Curly, and so to me, it, it just looks like a little bit more natural fit. Maybe that's why they had they prioritized taking this guy in the second round after they took Henderson in the third round of the season or the the year before. Looking at Acres' final five games of the year, I just want to throw these numbers out here. This is obviously a small sample, but. He had 114 carries, and this includes the Seahawks' win. 114 carries, 471 yards, and two touchdowns, plus 10, uh, 10 receptions, 141 yards. Per game, that would that would be 22.8 carries, 94 yards, about 28 yards receiving, and a 16-game, like, push that out to a 16-game average. That would be 364 carries, which is absurd. That's like Derrick Henry numbers. 1,500 yards, six touchdowns. So, obviously, his touchdown numbers... That's why the sample is sort of like, it doesn't really matter because, you know, maybe he'll get like two or three touchdowns in a game and it completely changes everything. But 1,500 yards rushing over a 16-game season, that kind of gives you the idea of like how they're using Akers and what he's getting out of this offense. Like Todd Gurley's two massive seasons, he had 1,300 and 1,250 yards. Obviously, his big thing was he was very, very good in the receiving game. He had 788 yards in 2017 and six touchdowns receiving. And 580 yards and four touchdowns receiving in 2018. So I think the big question mark is it like if can Cam Akers turn into like some sort of proxy of Todd Gurley? I think he's number one, you gotta score more touchdowns, number two, catch more passes. But what I think we've seen, if this usage carries over to next year, is that you know he could be like a 12, 1300 yard guy, and it wouldn't surprise me that much. Okay, Craig, who's who, uh, who's your next winner, Craig? Honestly, it was going to be Tom Brady. I don't want to do it. Screw Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> He's won enough. Yeah, I'm good. You guys think Tom Brady's on, on any kind of PED? He doesn't have anything <laughs> inflammatory in his body. Nothing Nothing is like... Gonna, no tomatoes, no strawberries. No, yeah, nothing that is going to cause f- inflammation. He's on something. Even if it's I, legal, some weird shit. I mean, look, we're at this point where, I mean, we, we know that these athletes at that level spend million plus on their right. bodies a year. Russell Wilson does, LeBron, you know, we, we know this. I feel like, so part of me feels like, look, I mean, this isn't rocket science. It's, we've learned a lot about the human body in the last 40 years, the last 10 years, the last five. There's been advances. I mean, guys have hypobaric chambers in their freaking houses now. It's not shocking that once you put hyperbaric chambers in people's houses, these guys can play forever. <laughs> Having said that, yeah, he's I also feel like there is, history rhymes and that the same way that there was this reckoning after McGuire and Sosa where we all fawned over how are they doing that and the answer is oh it's drugs I watched (laughs) Netflix that Icarus documentary where the guy is just like I wonder if I could blood dope for a year and like win a bike tournament and then he tries and the the, actually realizes actually it's really easy to cheat and get away with it I watched that (laughs) and was like hmm yeah I wonder and like Tom Brady's like the most powerful football player in the league uh could probably get away with a lot of stuff probably has a lot of connections i just want to know what he's on you know we let's keep him on it let him play for as long as he wants i just want to know what it is dk would you consider the hair plugs craig i think craig's just mad because whatever he's doing ben roethlisberger is not doing although i should say no. you know I, I am saying that after roethlisberger passed for 500 fucking yards so maybe he oh is oh my maybe god Maybe this past week he got on it. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe after the first quarter. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. For losers, so what we're going to do is basically all the teams that lost in the playoffs, we're going to go through like kind of the big fantasy guys uh, who lost. We're going to say goodbye to their fantasy season and then talk about kind of where we see them going in 2021. Some way too early 2021 draft talk for the folks at home. Let's start with the DK's team, Seattle. So I feel like the big two main takeaways, Russ is Russ, right? I mean... I feel like he's going to live in that quarterback five to eight range in drafts every year, and it'll probably yeah. be right. But Metcalf and Lockett. Well, no, I don't know. Well, Russ, Metcalf, and Lockett are all related here. It's the same question, right? It's how much are they going to pass? I mean, the running game we'll put to a side because Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are free agents. We don't have to talk about it. But like the passing game, Pete Carroll comes out and says they're going to run more in 2021. It wasn't that simple. DK was, I, DK's face right now was hilarious. I wish I could just. <laughs> bottle it and like take inject it later but dk when you hear Pete carroll's like i want to run more in 2021 what do you think of that i mean it's 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 a very familiar almost nostalgic feeling of just giving up hope i don't know i don't what's the i don't know what the word like basically it's r- resignation to mm. it's probably an old the, german word for this yeah. <laughs> yeah really i think resignation works though like i've just resigned to the idea that they're not going to change they're going back to what they've been doing the past five years six years um you know the let russ cook thing at the beginning of the season where they were just airing it out all over the field that was fun while it lasted but i think as soon as it started going haywire carol defaulted right back to like what he knows and what he wants them to do and it's not coming back i mean literally the first thing he talks about in the in the like press conference or as a radio uh interview about like what they want to do in 2021 like like Heifetz said is he wants to be a better run team and more effective run team and they they very much he, he recognizes they struggled against cover two which is like partly it's probably partly on scheme they didn't have a lot of good cover two beaters but also partly on Wilson like that's just not his forte is that mid-range jumper and so I don't know man it, it just feels like they're going to get back to to what they've been doing the last couple of years. I don't think it's going to be bad. I don't think it's going to be as bad as what we saw over the second half of the season where Wilson was. So let me just dig into the numbers real quick. Weeks one through nine. And week nine was the Seahawks lot. Like it was like a 44 to something loss to the, to the Bills. It was like the big blow. It was like come to Jesus moment for Pete Carroll. Like he's like, I don't recognize anything that I'm seeing in this team. <laughs> Literally, that's what he said after the game. I don't, I don't know who you team. are anymore. He's like getting cheated yeah. on by his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you're from the weeks one to nine, signed to the contract extension. <laughs> <laughs> weeks one through nine, Russell Wilson was the QB two in fantasy points per game, twenty nine point five points per game. Only Kyler Murray, who had like ten rushing touchdowns, was ahead of him. Um, and then from week ten to sixteen, so like the second half of the season, essentially, he was the QB fourteen. I think Wilson, his like 
natural homeostasis, whatever. It's going to be like around QB 8 or 9 or something like that. That would be my guess. They, the Seahawks did play a lot of really good defenses over the second half of the year, so that's a, that's another part of this. But I would say, yeah, Wilson, the days of him being like a, a premier, highly coveted quarterback in fantasy are over. So isn't DK Metcalf a lock to be overdrafted if everyone's going based off of the memory of the first half of the season when he was like a top two receiver? But in reality, it will be the Seahawks offense in 2021 will be like the second half of this year when DK Metcalf was good. But, you know, the Seahawks offense yeah. wasn't special. And uh, yeah, right now, and this is me emotionally reacting to that Pete Carroll press conference, too. So you keep that in mind. Obviously, things can change, but. Right now, yeah, it feels like Metcalf is going to be like the overdrafted guy going into next year. And I, and right now in Dynasty, he is the wide receiver one. At least the last time I saw this was maybe a few weeks ago. People are very, very high on DK Metcalf, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, you're not going to have many guys that are as physically dominant, as fast, as explosive. He's just cool. He's got name value, all that stuff. People love it. They're buying into it. Um, but the question is, like, should people be that high on him I, I weeks one through nine same same you know like time period he was the wide receiver two in half ppr 18.3 points per game weeks 10 through 16 when they made russell wilson stop cooking started doing like microwave stuff he was the wide receiver <laughs> 17 Did you just call it microwave stuff <laughs> tv dinner russell wilson dude the yeah. rush cooking thing's gone too far they had to, re- they had to remodel analogy. they had to remodel the, the kitchen and they didn't have a they didn't have a stove so they just had to microwave everything you're for so like six deep months. in seahawks twitter that you just used when they started when russ started microwaving as a colloquial term <laughs> so he yeah so in that stretch metcalf was the wide receiver 17 11 points per game I have one question here for DK. So we're all fawning over Russell Wilson's first nine games because he was so good and they let him cook all that crap he threw for a ton of yards and he was the quarterback too. And, you know, Pete Carroll's like, I want to go back to what we used to be. And obviously they were a different team, right? They had a fantastic defense back in the day that could make them run the ball more, lower scoring games. They had a stronger run game, et cetera. If you go backwards, I'm literally going to go backwards in time and read you Russell Wilson's finishes since 2014. First, fifth, eighth, first, twelfth, third, third. So <laughs> going back to this, like, oh, they're going to go back and run the ball. Russ was pretty much a top five quarterback every year, but two in the last eight years. So I don't get it. Explain well, it's that. It's weird to me. how different some of those seasons are, even though it feels like the Seahawks are always the same. Like there was the 2017 season where he was like the leading rusher on the team. And then there are seasons where like he had an ankle injury one year and then this year where it's like he didn't really he wasn't really dominant as a runner this year it was just uh, his season this year was so split with this crate I mean we we were talking about dropping Russell Wilson for the fantasy championship like he was that bad after Halloween really after Thanksgiving that we were like yeah just cut him whatever and this guy who was on a historic pace in the first 6 games so I, I think the seesawing the that's one of those guys where the average number of QB3 doesn't tell the story he was the QB2 on tier 1 and then he was like borderline droppable after thanksgiving the other thing i think that and and that's a great point craig and maybe this is just a lot of recency bias being baked in but i also think the other thing that you have to keep in mind is the guys that are passing wilson in fantasy are pushing him down the rung like you got josh allen who is now this absurdly great fantasy quarterback because he's got all this rushing you get kyler murray um aaron Rodgers is back you got Deshaun Watson, who never really went anywhere. Ryan Tannehill. Herbert is probably going to be overdrafted next season. You got, you know, so like you got these rushing quarterbacks too that are like 
pushing Wilson down the rung. Like he just can't keep up with that rushing production when Wilson's 31, 32 years old. And so it's a it's a combination of the Seahawks falling back into their run first philosophy and the I guess influx of like more running quarterbacks and, and guys that are just better in fantasy. That, that's a really good point. If you look at the quarterbacks, I'm looking now from like 2013 to 2018 when Russ was really cooking. No quarterback pretty much scored. Actually, no quarterback scored really over 330 points. Like no, like the top quarterback in the league was around 330 fantasy points. This year, Kyler's at 386. Josh Allen 384. Mahomes 380. It was pretty much Manning in 2013 when he had that crazy year. Was that like 400? And then there's been nothing since. And then Mahomes started and this QB boom has happened. So maybe Russ was just kind of taking advantage of a a bit of a downtime in fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah. you got, I bet Lamar is going to have a resurgence next year. Like you said, Mahomes. I didn't even mention Mahomes. Like obviously Mahomes. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of when you look at the list of quarterbacks, He's going to get pushed down because there's this group of young quarterbacks coming it's like, in. It's just the golden age. You know, there's a lot of good TV shows, but when there's a million TV shows on, it's hard to appreciate every single <laughs> that's, one. That's exactly yeah. what it is. That's exactly what it is. That's why we need to change the freaking rushing thing. Anyways, enough mining DK's pain. Let's go to Craig's pain. Steelers, they lost. Fantasy-wise, it's, I mean, there's not many teams that'll have more potential for turnover this mm-hmm. offseason. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Ben Roethlisberger, who, know, who the hell knows what's going to happen there whether he retires or he stays or they cut him to save cap room james connor is a free agent it's who yeah. knows if they're gonna he's gonna be starting running back juju smith schuster's a free agent it seems unlikely he will return they don't have the money to keep him so it's kind of hard to project this team because who knows what deontay johnson and chase claypool are going to be doing until we know the quarterback situation i'm just curious craig what you think of do you want ben back and if not like what do you want them to do like donald's out there in the market like deshaun watson like what do you want them to do i mean it, it's hard, right? Like, do I want Ben back? It's like, well, what are our options? Like, I what is yeah? What's going on up there? And like in the GM's office, I think that if we could get, like, I would take Matt Stafford in a second. I would take oh yeah, Matt, oh yeah. I would take Matt Ryan in a second. I feel like Darnold is the one that makes the yeah. most sense. I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson. I would cut my arm off to get him on the team, but because <laughs> then I think the Steelers maybe are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. But yeah, I I, I don't mind the idea of Darnold. At a certain point here, doing Ben for one more year and taking that massive cap hit that he would kind of incur, what's the point? Like, just to hold on for another year because he's been the legend in Pittsburgh? I mean, they're not going to win next year with him anyway. I think it's I'm okay with the Ben era being over. I mean, look, yeah. there's a certain point when he starts crying after every loss and gets all existential talking about retirement that it's like at some point, you know, maybe it, it just seems like the end. I mean, he just looked slow. I mean, he had an injury to both knees. His playing style does not lend itself to age. Well, so the Steelers' <laughs> offense, the problem was that they could do one thing. They could only do the short passes. They can't run the ball because the line can't couldn't block. And then they couldn't t- to pass deep because the line couldn't protect long enough for him to get downfield, even if he can, his arm is still good enough to throw it down there anyway. So all they could do is the quick passing, so he didn't get sacked. But the defense has learned right around that Ravens game that got postponed and postponed, postponed the Ravens in that game basically established screw it. Just jump up and block the passes because he's getting rid of the ball in like 2.1 seconds. It's the fastest release time on average that PFF right. has ever tracked. So they're like, shit, just go make contact and jump up and bat it. And that's what the Browns did last night. I mean, Chase Young, when they Washington beat them the first time Steelers dropped them to 11 and one Chase Young said after the game that the Ravens exposed what the Steelers were doing. Ben has had more passes batted down this season than in his career. He's second 
I mean, depends how you count what a bat is, but he's either leading the league, depending how you count, or he's second to Kyler Murray, who's seven inches shorter. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, he's throwing the ball so goddamn much because we can't run the ball. It's like he had four picks, but it's like, yeah, it's because he threw it 68 times. I mean, cut that in <laughs> half. That's 34 passes. Yeah. It's, two it's, picks. That's more of a normal game. It's a bat. It's it's a kind of the self feedback loop that becomes a death spiral. Ben yeah. can't, es- he's not mobile anymore. He can't escape pressure and they can't block. So he can't do much. Let's do this to talk 2021 right now. You can draft Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool for the 2021 season. Who are you taking? Deontay because he's going to be open more. Yeah. I think it's Deontay too. DK? Yeah, I think so. Man, that's tough because Claypool's like flashed this elite playmaking like where he could be legitimately like DK Metcalf style where you just take over games. But I think, yeah, the the floor play would be, would be Deontay. Because he's going to get a lot of targets, especially in this. He led the game. league in targets in the second half yeah. of the season. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they will end up being Lockett and Metcalf to an extreme, or almost like a Keenan Allen, Mike Williams on steroids type of thing. Yeah, Claypool had three great games. It reminds me of like the the Godwin Evans discussion mm-hmm. too, a little bit. They're like yeah. such different roles, you know. But yes. they're both they're both good. I would say they're both going to be top fifteen receivers in the next draft. I think. Like Godwin and Evans would be? Well, we'll see, because, again, it's like the Steelers are just passing so much, but honestly, they might fire their offensive coordinator, Randy Fickner. I don't know if I'm saying the name right, but I feel like if they get rid of him, maybe they'll go back. <laughs> I feel like the Steelers, I don't know if Mike Tomlin really wants this team to be throwing 600 times every year. Who are they going to run the ball with? Who's? I mean, the Steelers team is can be completely different come next year. I have I no know. idea who their running back is going to be, their quarterback. All right. Well, on that note, a team that probably will, well, we, we don't know the exact quarterback situation, but the Indianapolis Colts, we do know their running back situation. Jonathan Taylor is going to be the running back. Yeah. Ended up being third and rushing yards this year. He was really good in this Bills game, even though he kind of it was more top heavy in the first quarter. How many running backs would you guys take ahead of Jonathan Taylor in 2021? It's it's a great cue. <laughs> I think there's honestly four. So there's McCaffrey. We can all agree mm-hmm. on that. Can we agree on Dalvin Cook? Yeah. Kamara? Yeah, and Henry. Derek Henry. I think that's it. Other than those four. Not Saquon. We'll have to out on Saquon? Saquon. Would you guys take Saquon over? I think I think the answer is no. No, I think it's no. Yeah. Because the difference is the Giants line is terrible. And the Colts have one of the five best offensive lines in the league. They don't know about left tackle for next season, but still, it's like the Colts are extremely committed to Taylor. They have an offense that works around him. He's obviously capable of dominating he's games. He's not coming off a torn ACL. And he's not coming off a torn ACL for a bad offense. So I, I think it's, I would... Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's really... It's a short list. And especially, let's just... Uh, even if you were to say Drew Brees retires and Taysom Hill is the quarterback for the Saints in 2021, you could take Taylor ahead of Kamara. And I'm not sure I would be like, that's stupid. I don't know if I, I would agree. do it. But I think those five people are the first five picks in fantasy drafts. I think Taylor oh will be gosh. the fifth pick in I fantasy I think Taylor drafts. is fifth. I mean, I'd take him over Clyde in the Kansas City. I mean, Taylor. Taylor's yeah. probably going to be the most hyped guy. There's one guy, maybe. What about Nick Chubb? That's what yeah, I was looking I at. Chubb. I was also Honestly, looking at Ezekiel Elliott. Like, once everybody's back and he- healthy ooh. in that Cowboys offense, is he going to be undervalued? Yeah, because the whole narrative around Zeke in the offseason is going to be that the Cowboys were down both tackles for basically the entire season and that they get yeah. those guys back, like you said, DK. I think... I'm more Chubb gets no PR. Chubb is the most underrated running back in football. Yeah. Who were we talking about the other day? Like the Rams, like you can watch an hour, two hours of a Rams. You watch multiple Rams game and not see Robert Woods' face. Yeah. Nick Chubb isn't like that, but he doesn't get any press because there's Baker, takes so much oxygen, Odell when he was healthy. Yeah. Nick Chubb really might be the best running back in football. He is totally. He's the really best might be runner. as good as Christian McCaffrey. And if you take away the receiving, he's probably the best rusher. 
Yeah, you know how Bill does the eye test thing? Remember when Bill was like, Saquon, I watched three games, he's the best running back of all time? Chubb, well, he was just, wrong. <laughs> right. But when you, I'm just saying like the whole eye test thing, like Chubb passes that. Like you watch him run once, Chubb you're is, like, oh, he's better than most people. And he's been like that since he was a freshman at Georgia. Does Aaron Jones fit into this conversation? <sighs> no, I think he's slightly after. Again, I think that's he, another. He's in this group. He's in this group. But I think the point is that there's this obvious tier at four of four guys. It's it's Kamara, yeah. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, McCaffrey. Put him in whatever order you want. And then the next tier is Aaron Jones, Saquon, Clyde, Jonathan Taylor. No. I'm forgetting someone. You probably don't even put Clyde in there. And Clyde's Taylor, I think, is in the one above. Why is Taylor not with, I don't know, Dalvin Cook? Well, well yeah. that that's the kind of stuff it depends what quarterback they have. I think that that, that it, you have to get that high, you have to nitpick, and we have to know what their offense looks like. Um, yeah. I think, to, to Craig's point, though, I think that's how it's going to end up. Yeah. I think he's going to be in that elite tier. It's going to be yeah, like you're the probably big five. Right. It's it's hard not to get excited about. It's it. fun. Right. It's fun when you get a new running back who like breaks into like yeah. the, the next three years. He'll be it like one fun. of the guys. It's been a while since we've had a new guy bust in. All right. Speaking of which, Washington again. Who knows what's going to happen with quarterback for them next season? Um, but in, they have seem to have two amazing players and Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. DK was about as right on Antonio Gibson as you could be. I mean, this yeah. guy literally <laughs> had more touches, I think in what September of NFL than he did in all of college at Memphis, yeah. which is kind of nuts. The lack of experience just didn't end up fucking mattering. Can't believe all. that. He was resting. Speaking of the eye test just looked like he belonged. I mean, talk about crushing the yeah. Cowboys on Thanksgiving. The, he just makes guys miss. It's really impressive. We don't know, obviously, what Washington's offense will look like next year, but is he's not in that second tier we were just discussing. But no. is he like is he he seems like a solid second round pick, or is he like third for you guys? I think he's going to be. I, I'll bet right now, but obviously a lot of things can change. But I, I, I bet right now, like he'd be a second rounder. He's like going to be the Miles Sanders of this season. Like a lot of people were having oh, yeah. Miles Sanders sort of like early in the second. I maybe he he might have gone in the first in a few drafts, whatever. But like. You know, that that area where you're like, this guy showed a lot of potential. He flashed a lot as a rookie. In his second year, they're going to use him as the three-down workhorse-style guy, and, and it's going to be like, he's going to blow up. I could see that being the narrative. Over the second half of the season, so weeks 8 through 16, when they started like really giving him a lot of touches, he, he averaged 15.4 points per game in half PPR, which is... Um, you know, right there, and it's not elite numbers, but it's like that second tier number. I think that you want you want to get in like that second and third round. So um, he might get smacked with the TD regression thing because people will be like, "Oh, he just scored a lot of touchdowns." Yeah, but like that. the flip side is people like me who were doubting what he would do in a shortened off season will be like, "Imagine what he can do with a whole off season <laughs> under his belt." Well, speaking of which, what do you put under your belt? I don't know. Get that? What does that phrase even come from? Most of these RBs that we're talking about all have quarterback like issues. So we, we don't know what's going on in, uh, in Indianapolis. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen real- in Washington. There's a real carousel this year. I mean, I mean, between running backs and quarterbacks, I mean, there's a lot of quarterback jobs that could switch. I mean, last year seemed like there were a lot. There's even more, quite honestly. There's, there's just more quarterbacks on the trade block. I mean, we're talking about Deshaun Watson, who just signed a contract extension. This is like the NBA all of a sudden, where it's I like, know. guys sign Man, a contract. If he got and then, traded, that would be the I, I don't think it's going to happen thing. yet, quite yeah. frankly, because the real politique of it doesn't mash up with like what is a fun push notification from Bleacher Report. Like, it just doesn't make sense why the Texans would agree to it. Deshaun Watson interested in Miami. Yeah, it's, it's not the NBA. Like it's an NBA player, James James Hardening his way into something is different than an NFL quarterback who is like the basically the leader and face of the organization in a, in a game that where leadership is just a prized part of the job. It's a lot harder for that person to be like, 
actually, this is about me right now, everyone. It's just, it's much harder for a quarterback to actually stake out that position. You know what I think is very interesting about Gibson, though? And I feel like we're, this is one of the more overlooked things because no one believes it's actually real. So I mentioned week eight Leprechauns. <laughs> that is close. Is uh, he taking eight. the same thing Tom Brady's taking? We, so from weeks eight through sixteen, I mentioned Antonio Gibson averaged fifteen point four points per game. He was he was the RB thirteen in half PPR in that stretch. So say take that for what you will. Guess who was actually ahead of him in the rankings during that stretch? He did play more games. He did JD not average. McKissick. JD McKissick scored God more points. Damn it! He didn't so play as stupid. many games. Or McKissick played more games because Gibson missed a few games with injury, but. I get the big question is like what what is McKissick's role going to be? Is he just going to disappear or is he going to be well, around? I, these guys never disappear. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's we'll going to be like a thorn. The- it's going to be a, th- a thorn in all the Antonio Gibson. Gibson might end side. up being Josh Jacobsy, where you just they're dying to get him on third down and he never is. I don't even want to yeah. think about JD McKissick yeah. right now. It makes me too mad. Anyway, let's go to the Titans. The Titans lost. Uh, there's two. I mean, Derrick Henry. I mean, I saw this from Bill Barnwell. Derrick Henry was. I think the first player in the last 20 years who had... Oh, sorry. There's only one player in the last 20 years who had more carries in a playoff game without producing a first down than Derrick Henry did. Holy shit. Wow. Do you know who it was? I don't know, actually. Oh, no. Yes, I do, actually. It was Ray Rice in 2012. Mm. But Derrick yeah, Henry... The Henry season really went off on a, on a sad note. I mean, he had one of the great seasons of all time. And man, what a bummer his performance was. Certainly for my fantasy Vandal team. Still a top five <laughs> pick next year, right? There's no controversy there. And then, yeah, I think the no, I don't is, think so. I don't think there's any controversy. He's still going to get tons and tons of volume. You know what's funny is like, wh- wh- why last year was nobody into Derrick Henry? Like last year, he had the same year essentially, and then come drafts, no one really talked about him. Why are this year we're like, obviously he's going to be amazing again? <laughs> because last year we were like, well, he can't do that again, and then he did it. It's like again. the Aaron Jones thing. <laughs> it is like the Aaron Jones thing. It's like next year we'll be in on Aaron Jones because Craig was he's ahead of his time and like he'll do it again next year. Yeah. Is there a chance that do you think Derrick Henry's career will drop off more quickly than other running backs because he's just like so massive and like lumbering that it just won't last as long? Yes, I can guarantee it because I'm a doctor and I know body science and just I, by looking at no, I have no freaking idea. But he I gets do injuries, say, sure. Yeah. Oh, I believe I saw there's a stat that the twenty game period he had entering this week was the most rushing yards anyone's had in a twenty game period ever. Wow. Jesus. So in this era, know. that's crazy. So I mean, think about that shit. Okay, well then yeah. let's go even higher here in this twenty twenty one draft stock conversation. Is he number one? I feel like it's McCaffrey because Mike Davis was just the number I mean, if Joe Brady doesn't leave the Panthers, Mike Davis was like a like a top twelve running back in McCaffrey's absence. So yeah. I feel like it's still McCaffrey. DK? In in points per game this year, McCaffrey still was number one. He had three, he had <laughs> he played in three games. He played in three games. He averaged 27.3 and a half PBR. I think McCaffrey's still number one. It makes me a little more nervous just because of the injury thing, but like he'll be fine by the by the time that starts next year. And you can't predict injuries going forward. So I would say McCaffrey's still number one. Yeah. I the thing that, that hurts Henry is still the pass catching thing. They're just not using him in the passing game as much as like these other guys. Not I don't know if it hurts him. It just doesn't PPR. help him. Right. Not a problem if you get rid of PPR, which is stupid. <laughs> False. False. Uh it's just enjoy your participation trophies. Okay. Uh last one among the teams that lost this weekend, the Bears who cares? I, I don't. They don't deserve like, to <laughs> preview what they're going to do. Trubisky, none of well, that. Once again, yeah, Trubisky, Allen Robinson going to be on the team. Allen Robinson is probably going to lose. I believe 
I believe they asked him his post-game press conference if he thought he'd get a deal done. And he basically said, I'm not really out, but I think we had time to get it done in the last 365 days. So, you know, what team do you want to see Allen Robinson on? Don't say the Chiefs. Houston. Oh, yeah. You love Allen. That's a good one. Yeah. Mina Kimes said Allen Robinson to Baltimore. I, I haven't really gotten that out of my head yet because when I watch this Ravens team, the one thing they're missing is get, no one can get open. I mean, it was, I, yeah. I meant to say that earlier with Lamar as my winner. It's just they're not getting open. Those coverage sacks were because they couldn't, Marquise isn't separating. And Robinson brings down everything like in his, in like within five feet of him. And Lamar's not exactly the most accurate guy in the world. I'd love to see him in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> that would be absolutely ridiculous. If Allen Robinson went to Baltimore, his stock would be around the same. And I know that's saying, like, that's not necessarily like reflecting lower. well. He, yeah, like lower, maybe. Like, it, it, that doesn't reflect well on Lamar, obviously, but like, this is such a run heavy pass or run heavy team. Yeah. Lamar struggled for half the year passing the ball. I feel like his stock would actually go lower if he went to Baltimore in fantasy. He should go to the, he should go to the Bucks. They don't have a lot of weapons. Yeah, sure. That'd make everything easy. By the way, I, I no, wanted screw, to point go out to Kansas we, City. I changed my mind. <laughs> I wanted to point this out about Alvin Kamara because I just realized it, and I, I know we hadn't mentioned it on this show. He ended up having 83 receptions this year, which is two off of like what exactly what we wanted him to get. He the first three seasons in the NFL, he had 81, 81, 81 yeah. receptions. This season, 83. So that means his career average is still 81, does it not? Yeah, probably like 81. Oh, no, it's 82. Oh, something. no, it's 81.5 now. Don't damn. ask me to do math. Live. I just did the math in my head. I'm pretty confident it's 81.5. So I guess now, damn, that's too bad. Unfortunate. Is it time? Yes, yeah, time. It's time for an important guest. Yeah. All right. Now we are joined by my grandmother, Emma. <laughs> How are you doing, Emma? I'm doing just fine. Wonderful. You've met Craig and Danny Kelly, right? Well, virtually you've met them? Yes, I did. Once before. <laughs> so, Emma, you came on our podcast last year, and uh, I received more feedback about that episode than literally every other episode we've done combined. Why do you think that is? I, I think you're a star. That's what I think, Emma. <laughs> but most importantly, it's because you're a football fan who watches the games. Which is not like most young people in America. Uh, no one really watches anything anymore, and we respect that you actually watch all the games. You're not well, on your you phone. You know what? Could really, I, you know, let me, I, I'm going to interrupt you, which unfortunately is my way. But, you know, it's so too bad because I think many people, let's say, behind my generation, there are not many of us around my generation, who have a mistaken idea about what the game of football is about. I mean, it's a heady game, and people think it's just a lot of physical bumping around. <laughs> it's it's a yeah. Well, I want to just jump into something right now, Emma. I wanted to talk to you because you texted my mom something when the Seahawks lost oh. because you hate Pete Carroll. <laughs> I don't hate Pete Carroll. I don't like to use that word. Uh, I have a long memory. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the Seahawks lost. You texted my mom, my cup runneth over. Can you <laughs> can you explain why? Is it because Pete Carroll chomps on the gum on the sideline? Oh, no, not at all. And, you know, with all due respect, you know, Pete Carroll is an outstanding coach and he for sure did a good job with the Seahawks. First of all, I really I have a soft spot in my heart for the Rams. And look what they were playing hmm. with. 
I mean, you know, a broken down quarterback and a replacement quarterback who got hurt in the mid- I mean, I, I was really rooting for the Rams. So I'll be very innocent and say, no, I was really happy that the Rams won. <laughs> Emma, okay. you don't have to lie on the podcast. Danny <laughs> Kelly is a Seahawks fan, and I know that you were rooting yeah. against the Seahawks. Emma, why do you have a soft spot for the Rams? Oh, you know, they've had great teams. They've had wonderful characters. Merle Olson, do you remember him? He was a good friend of my brother's. Um, Wait, what? I just have good wow. memories. <laughs> Wait, Uncle Basil was friends with Merle Olson? What are you talking about? He did advertising for my brother. My brother was in the carpet business. <laughs> oh, okay, wow. Well, this is astonishing. Isn't he like a uh, Hall of Famer? Somewhere. Wow. I think your mother might have the picture, Danny. <laughs> we have a picture of my brother with Merrill Olson. Merlin Olson, 14-time Pro Bowler. <laughs> wow. Legend. Legend. And, you know, that's my memory of that kind of a team. I have nice memories of them. And they're an old team like some people in my generation. All right. Emma, I want to ask you a question. You were watching Monday Night Football a few weeks ago when the Steelers played the Bengals, and Ben Roethlisberger was playing so bad that you called me at halftime and said you thought Roethlisberger had an astigmatism, (laughs) which is an eye condition, because that was the only way he could have been missing so much. You know what? He had it again last night. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what he's looking at. It's you know, probably for people that, you know, understand this, I- I'm assuming that their timing was off. But I think, what is he looking at? Emma, do you think Ben Roethlisberger should retire? Oh, I, I couldn't say, really. <laughs> I think I-, I really couldn't say. I mean, you know, he- he's doing better than our friend Eli, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, you know... He's a big, strong guy, and he's capable of a lot, and he's a, for sure a good football player. But, you know, it may be the maybe not having enough practice with these <laughs> receivers. I don't know. I'm trying to Chemistry. find an excuse. He was bad. Yeah. <laughs> he was freaking terrible. Well, because he threw the pick, but he was overthrowing everybody. And at that point, you feel like he's overcompensating almost for his elbow or something. Yeah. Craig's a Steelers fan, so he's upset. I am. It was a tough game. Emma, I, I do want to ask you, so you watched the wild card weekend, and now we have the divisional rounds coming up next weekend. Who is your favorite pick right now to win the Super Bowl? Ah, uh, why did I think you were going to ask me? Well, I certainly can't sidestep the Chiefs. Mm. And yeah. I yeah. think in my heart, in my head, I say Green Bay. Ooh. In my heart, I'd like the Saints. Oh, oh really? in your heart, you want the Saints. Yes. What do you like about the Saints? Uh, I like Drew Brees. I like I like the team. I, I can't tell you why. I, I, I really don't know. Uh, and they also have a lot of history going back to another Manning. Archie. The Manning connection. I didn't know you had a soft spot for Drew Brees. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I have a... I would say for the entire field, team, you know? I would like... I, it's funny. You think I would be a big fan of the Packers? I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Well, um, for one reason, I had a good friend who born and bred in New York, 
Why does anybody who is born and bred in New York City root for the Green Bay Packers? <laughs> that already kind of thing. So we have kind of an ongoing thing, and you know, between the two of us, you don't like bandwagon. That's something that I feel like is it happens on in every generation. Emma, that's something that our our generation makes fun of people who are Cowboys fans, even though they don't have anything to do with Dallas. A lot of people are fans of teams from the cities to which they don't live in. That's (laughs) very hard for me to understand. Yeah. You know, many, many years ago, we were in Washington, D.C., and it was after a Super Bowl when the Giants had won for the first, I mean, after many years of being under... uh, I'm not supposed to call them Redskins, the Washington team, mm-hmm. the Washington football team. And there isn't anybody in the city of Washington, D.C. at that time that wasn't a Washington fans. I don't. I guess I don't understand it. I'm with you. I'm with you. You are. I mean, yeah. you sort of have to have a loyalty. That's old-fashioned, I guess. Sometimes I wish I wasn't the fan, a fan of the teams I'm fans of, like the Seattle Mariners, my baseball team. Haven't made the playoffs since <laughs> 2001. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> Is it fair? Do you think it's fair that you're basically just born into fandom? Wherever you are born is who you have to like and you can't choose. <laughs> is that is that okay? Well, I can't tell you because in New York, we have two wonderful teams to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> I am a Yankees and a Giants fan because of Emma. Emma passed me that. Thank you for those. Good choices. I mean, right now it's not going so great, but. Um, They never even had a choice. That's true. Emma, (laughs) I wanted to ask you an important question because I think that you are one of the few people that feel a certain way about the way football as a sport is going right now. So I want to read you a quote, Emma. So Nick Saban, the coach at Alabama, said this in October. Quote. It used to be that good defense beats good offense. Good defense doesn't beat good offense anymore. That's not the way it used to be. It used to be if you had a good defense, other people were not going to score. You were always going to be in the game, but I'm telling you, it ain't that way anymore. End quote. Emma, you love defensive football. How does that make you feel? First of all, it surprises me, that quote. It really does, because I... You know, I have a lot of um, faith in a good defense. I mean, let's face it, that's all we ever had when I was, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I'm very surprised that that's all I can say. I don't feel that way at all. But you hated when, like, the Chiefs and the Rams had that Monday Night Football game a couple of years ago. And it was like 57 to 54. Oh, yes, I do remember. You preferred the, the Rams Patriots Super Bowl when it was like 13 to 9. Well, I'm aware that a lot of people think that's a boring game. I don't. <laughs> I really think that's good football. If you have, you have, you can have both, and you can still have a low-scoring, well-played game. Mm. I mean, you, you know, there were, we watched. I mean, going back to that Steelers game, I, I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> yeah. Neither do I, Emma. <laughs> Neither do I. Well, oh listen, God. I guess, you know, I have to tell you, um, I, I was a little surprised when they predicted that we would go through a whole football season, and we did. It surprised me. 
Very true. It's surprising that we got, I'm happy that at least there was no major, major hiccups and that we have at least made it this far. Yes. And very, very difficult to judge teams because, you know, they've had a lot of bumps. They've had people that have gotten the COVID virus and lost people. They've had limited practice. So it's a difficult season. And I think maybe we should just be, I think we should be happy that we had it. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Damn screen, we are. Emma. We are for sure. We have to finish. Can you ask her about Daniel Jones? How yeah, I was going to say, about Daniel Emma, Jones? last question. What, sh- what should the Giants do with Daniel Jones this offseason? Should they keep him or get rid of him? Well, I don't think they're going to get rid of him, so I don't think it matters what any of us think. <laughs> I really don't think they're going to get rid of him. Where did I read or hear somewhere that they were looking to replace Jason Garrett with someone who would be able to work better with the type of quarterback that Daniel Jones is. Did anybody else hear that? Well, I, it would be good because Daniel Jones is, well, Jason Garrett isn't the most well-suited person to be putting players in a position to succeed, <laughs> is maybe the way I would put it. Well, well I think we all agree. <laughs> Yes. I don't think anyone understood why he was the choice, to be honest. Is it the same in New York? Oh. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'll take that. I think he was the one, one, somebody, he just, it doesn't belong, whatever. I'm speechless. (laughs) But whatever. Perfect. Oh, my God. I, I cannot evaluate him. You know, it's also, it seems to me the one thing he started out with maybe I don't remember correctly, was accurate passing. And somehow yeah. that seems to have gone away. Yes, yeah, he doesn't. He was very, very accurate early in his rookie season, and it was it was kind of shocking, but then that's just kind of fallen apart. Yeah. All right, Emma. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, I enjoyed it. It's our pleasure. You are our favorite guest. Thank you all. Be well, everybody. Thank you, Thank you so Emma. much. And I do this bye on bye. a real... Oh, no, Emma, we, we got to do the thing. Bye-bye, Emma. Bye-bye, Danny. Bye. <laughs> it just warms my heart. I felt like she was talking to me there a little. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. every Danny out there. My name's also Danny. She was talking to every daddy out there. All right. Thank you guys for indulging me. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, that's that's my grandma, and I'm thrilled to be able to share her with people. Hyvitz, <laughs> she likes the Saints. What are your thoughts? I, I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl before the season and before the playoffs, so I was amazed she said that. I didn't know she felt that way. I also am kind of rooting for the Saints. Yeah, wow. I see where I get it from. You know what's funny? She was like, I feel like the Saints are more of a team than the Packers. I kind of get that. <laughs> She's right. I mean, the, They the feel Packers, like more of a family. Like, they're really, you know, they're really together. I feel like the Packers don't have team dinners, but the Saints do. You know, the cornerback gets all the Bears receivers to punch them. I think that's what she liked. I think that's her favorite part. Oh, all right. Uh, that'll do it, right? Yeah, we'll be back with our DFS format on Friday. Check it out. We're doing fun previews. There's a lot trivia of trivia facts. Involved. Hit us. It's, yeah, email us ringerfantasyfootball.com. And if you just want to give Emma feedback, I'll pass along the nice messages. And if you, you know, uh, it'll be great. All right. Only Thank nice you to everyone for listening. Thank you, Emma. Emma's the best. Thank you, Craig and Danny, for allowing my grandmother to come on our fantasy football podcast. And thank you, everyone. DK, got a band? Lorne. Thank you, Lorne. Thank you, Beck. Beck. Beck? You just looked at my last name and were like, uh, Beck. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't, but that's actually true. (laughs) We'll see you guys on Friday.